Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. It's time for the weekly governance update from VLGA Connect, sponsored by Hunt and Hunt Lawyers. Uh, nice to have you with us and to say hello again to Stephen Cooper. How are you, Steve? Hello, Chris Eddy. Um, good to see you. I am getting a sense that we've had a different sort of public holiday so far today by your attire. Uh, yeah, pretty cash today, I've got to say. I, I've been up and about early. I, I've got to tell you, Steve, it's supposed to be a national day of mourning. Uh, I, I went to Bunnings actually, so uh, I wasn't the only one, let me tell you. Um, I think someone's interpreted it as a national day of DIY uh, in honour of Queen Elizabeth II, I'd say. I'm, I'm not sure whether I should submit that to Grieve Watch. <laughs> you could. Um, people grieve in different ways, and I'm pretty sure you said you went to a well known um, bulk retail DIY store. I did. Yes, yes. I did. Um, for, for just one very tiny thing, but uh, most of the people I saw were stocking up on all sorts of stuff. Oh, bless them. Good on them. Uh, Steve, how's the week been in terms of governance news? What's the headline for you? Uh, look, a couple of things, Chris, um, that don't necessarily um, relate to local government, but I think there's kind of um, a salutary lesson in, in two of them for me. Yes. Um, and what are they? Oh, and I know I know you're a Hawthorne fan, Chris. And I, I don't want to make light of this topic, but I think for anyone who's interested in governance and culture in organisations, the, uh, the report at the Hawthorne Football Club is... Um, uh, on a good day, disturbing. And yes. let me say, I couldn't, I couldn't read through the uh, the Russell Jackson report on the ABC website. So uh, you did try, did you? Yeah, yeah, I did try. It is, it is incredibly disturbing. So I haven't. Uh, I will wait and see what uh, falls out of this. Uh, it, it, it is of, of great concern, obviously. Um, a couple of things, you, you know, Alistair, Alistair Clarkson's response, I thought, was was interesting uh just the whole question about due process natural justice etc obviously is is one to be aware of and a couple of observations i think that you had about you know how to respond to an issue like this and send the right sort of tone. The, the right the right tone mm. i think um yeah i sort of responded on a few levels chris and and, and you and i know we are far from the best people to to comment on this, but I thought it was interesting at this more micro level that um, the same dynamic occurs, that to achieve reconciliation, we need truth-telling and for the truth to come out, mm -hmm. um, no matter how uncomfortable. And, and so that element of it is really important. Um, the second part for me was that um, inevitably with any issue such as this, there is a clamour um, to blame individuals and whatever happens with those individuals will take its course. Um, but it is absolutely critical, I think, to look at the culture that enabled that to happen, just as in an organisation where something goes wrong with an employee or a particular group. Um, and the other one, Chris, I'm glad you mentioned the, um, the uh, public statements because, yeah, I was interested in those statements um, sort of academically almost, and I did notice um, a 
LinkedIn post from Benjamin Pruel, who is, and Benjamin, if I've pronounced your name incorrectly, please let me know, who is a colleague in Canada of our good friend, Ian McCormick. And Benjamin, mate, was wouldn't have had a clue about this issue with the AFL and um, the Indigenous players, but made a comment about public statements that the important element is to sound as though you're interested in fixing the problem. And, you know, it is really interesting when you look at public statements from individuals and um, organisations as to the extent to which they have legal input, the extent to which they have PR input, but do they actually show compassion is really important. And it's more than just sounding like you're interested in fixing the problem. It's, oh, it's actually demonstrating that you Absolutely. Can... And it goes to leadership with compassion uh, as, as being absolutely critical and great leaders are able um, to show compassion. Um, just one other point, Chris, before... Um, and I think, again, you and I have talked about this previously in regard to um, integrity agencies report reports. There's, um, I think anything like this should be um, read with a, a good dose of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, and having a broad view about systemically what is going on that we allow this sort of thing to happen as a society. Yeah. Yep. All right. I, I think we'll leave that one there. Oh, yes. We're not, we're not the best place to, no. to make any further comment. Um, same with the with the uh, the Barilaro appointment issue. Uh, just to note, I know you've been following this, that the public servant at the centre of that has uh, stepped down or lost their job? What's lost the their job. story? Lost their job. Lost their job, Chris. Uh, Amy Brown, uh, department head, um, a report found that um, she, amongst other things, um, the procedures hadn't been followed and she'd consulted with the relevant minister midway through the recruitment process. And for me, it was, a, again, a salutary reminder that um, often with kind of ethical breaches, um, there are unintended victims. And if a public servant thinks that the political masters are desirous of a particular outcome, um, sometimes that's not always a great idea if we're not following due process. Yeah. Okay, yep. there's that word process again. <laughs> you keep you keep talking about trusting the process, Chris. Well, it comes up a lot in it government. It does. What a funny thing. <laughs> what a funny thing indeed. All right, there's a, I've got a whole list of news stories here, Steve, that I'm going to start working our way through and see what uh, comments you might have. Um, our episode might not be as long as usual being uh, being a public holiday. Uh, that's but... like saying it's it's a short agenda. We'll get out of the council meeting. <laughs> yeah, actually, it. you're right. I um, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Mooney Valley and Brimbank, Mooney Valley in particular, must be feeling pretty happy right now because they've had a big advocacy win with the announcement uh, when the new business case, well, the updated business case, I think it was, for the airport rail link project came out this week. There's a new station uh, pretty certain now for uh, Keylor East and Mooney Valley in particular have been looking for this for a long time. As And I, I had to check this, Steve. It's a bit gobsmacking. This is the first station in Mooney Valley that connects that city to the rail network. Really? That's what they say. Hmm. Goodness me. I, look, I, I'm stunned about something else, Chris, and there's an inference in what you've just said that councils do things other than roads, rates and rubbish. Uh, I had heard that rumour. That's the fourth R, rumour. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, you know, maybe council advocacy based on, you know, long-term strategic visions um, is part of the value proposition for the community. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. And now that you've mentioned that, I want you to look out for an interview that I've done with an academic by the name of Mark Chu that's going to drop in the October series, which is coming up very soon about uh, perceptions of and attitudes towards local government and what is its role, what should it be doing. There's some fascinating findings that have come from his research that I think you'll find very interesting. I've heard some really good things about Mark's research, Chris, so I, we've been talking about that internally at the VLTA, so I look forward to hearing that. Excellent. So uh, to get back to this one, congratulations to uh, Mooney Valley. I know the Mayor, Samantha Byrne, has been uh, very um, uh, happily trumpeting this uh, this outcome uh, through social media, etc. over the last couple of days. Um, so that is exciting news. And as you say, uh, a demonstration of uh, what can happen when communities and councils get together and uh, really press a case for something that's that's needed, Steve. Absolutely. Yep. Here, here. And we'll hear more, I'm sure, about council's advocacy wins or losses over the next uh, couple of months as we head towards that state election in particular. The MAV had a special state council meeting last week, I believe, and the new rules, which have been through a long process of development and consultation, etc., have been endorsed. And uh, now my understanding is they're looking at how to give effect to a new structure for the board, Steve, which will be based on five rural and five metro regions. Wow. Look, I just think congratulations to David Clark, to Kerry Thompson and the MAV team. That's... Um, pretty difficult process going through a, a you know, rule change and um, uh, seems to have gone smoothly. So all kudos there. Yeah, I don't think it was all smooth sailing. There were a few contentious issues that came up through the discussion paper and, and beyond, but it seems to have landed in a, in a pretty good place. Well, these things are relative, Chris. I, yeah, sorry, I wasn't suggesting it was a mill pond. <laughs> No, 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 I didn't think you were. Um, congrats to Casey City Council that's picked up a National Change Management Award for one of their transformational projects. Uh, that's great news for them. Yeah, I think on that score, yes, well done to Casey, because the issue with winning those awards is you have to demonstrate some rigour in how you have thought about and implemented the change in a way that is sustainable. So um, not only... Um, it's not only the outcome, but the way that they've gone about it, which is, you know, presumably quite repeatable. So well done. Change management is, uh, it's a difficult thing to get mm. right. There is a science to it. Oh, is it an art or a science? No, oh, I think... well, uh, it could be an art, but I think it's a science. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Social science. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, I noticed that Borbor Shire Council, as many councils have done, have updated their governance rules. But what caught my eye is the option for members of the public to contribute and address council meetings virtually or in person. I'm not too sure how many have actually opened up that virtual possibility for, for, for people to present to councils. Chris, I hadn't thought about that until you raised it, um, because I know a number of councils... Um, in terms of people, you know, questioners not being able to attend the meeting have made provision for the questions to be read out and so on. But mm -hmm. so certainly um, it doesn't appear that that approach is universal. No, I, I don't think so. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And if there are others that have included that provision, it would be great to, to learn about that as well, Steve. Oh, well, and it's always an interesting space 
with um, the governance rules around what question time looks like, how accessible the meeting should be to the public, how to find that right balance between accessibility and the council being able to continue on with its business. So, yeah. Um, I've had some direct inquiries this week after the City of Whittlesea updated uh, its governance rules, uh, Steve, um, mainly around replacing the prayer with a diversity statement that's more inclusive than uh, than a religious Chris I didn't think we were a contentious program but you have touched on one of the most contentious of issues <laughs> if, if, if you want to get people excited yeah. there, there was there was quite a bit of uh, public comment on it of course and some accusations that in doing so were being politically correct it's not about being politically correct it's it's about being Inclusive, you know, I understand everybody has their views on this, but that's that's where it's landed. And I've had some people saying, can we see your diversity statement? Because I think uh, there's going to be more of that. Uh, yes, Chris, I would have thought it's not going to swing back the other way. And um, you would have to look at um, the council prayers at a number of councils. And I mean, certainly I question uh, why and how relevant are they to a, a chunk of the population who are either religions of a non-Christian denomination or not religious at all. Uh, some CEO-level news to talk about uh, this week. Warwick Wynn, who would be known to many of our viewers, uh, former CEO at Manningham at one point, spent at North Sydney and most recently at Penrith, has now resigned from Penrith and is going down to Euro Bedella on the coast there in New South Wales to replace another ex-Victorian uh, CEO, Catherine Dale, in, uh, in a month or so. That sounds like a very pleasant sea change, Chris, noting, of course, though, that Euro Bedella has... Um, um, suffered some um, pretty significant bushfire disasters. So uh, still going through that recovery phase. So uh, yes, it's a sea change for Warwick, but I suspect he's going to be pretty busy. Yes, I'm sure it'll have its challenges as well, which uh, I'm sure he's going in with eyes wide open. Uh, bumped into Warwick in uh, Canberra in June when we had the National General Assembly, first time I'd seen him in quite some time. And we, uh, we wish him all the best in the new role. We do indeed. Over in South Australia, remember we talked about the CEO who had admitted to uh, creating and backdating a letter that he'd been asked about by the mayor in the chamber and, and discovered, uh, he said that he thought he'd done it, but he hadn't. Um, the ombudsman looked into it and basically found, uh, found fault in that, uh, that behaviour. The council ultimately terminated his contract. His name is Colin Biles with two years to run of the contract. I understand this past week he's lodged an unfair dismissal claim over that matter. Isn't that fascinating, Chris? Um, <clears throat> of course, off the back of the Supreme Court action uh, last year between um, Peter Schneider and the Warrnambool City Council, um, Presumably, uh, Mr. Biles has pretty good legal advice. Presumably, <laughs> interesting, the council wouldn't have acted in the first place without pretty good legal advice. Um, I'm imagining, um, without knowing the detail, that there's a natural justice question in there somewhere, Chris, about um, what at its face appears quite egregious conduct um, in terms of backdating that document, whether it, A, it warrants dismissal and whether B, due process was afforded in terms of questions asked and answered in arriving at that decision. Yes, I guess that'll be tested now, won't it? The, his lawyer uh, told the Adelaide Advertiser that the termination was manifestly unfair and orchestrated. So I think you can see the angle they're taking. 
Uh, interesting. So we're sort of in that space, Chris, of it's not just what you do, it's how you do it and what considerations are made. I can sort of picture at some stage um, in coming weeks or months, we might need to be talking with Richard Scoogle from Hunt and Hunt about the outcomes of this, because um, like the Warrnambool matter, it does have relevance for councils mm. in managing CAO contracts. Yes. All right. So watching brief on that one. Uh, in uh, New South Wales, a councillor has been censured by their council. This is Cumberland City Council over a uh, an alleged breach of the election period policy or the caretaker period policy for last year's local government elections. This councillor and former mayor, Steve Christos, his name, uh, is alleged to have used a council resource for an electoral purpose, basically a council meeting room to meet with a community group about a campaign that I understand was central to his re-election campaign. Chris, with tongue firmly in my cheek, surely there was no cost to the council because the meeting room existed anyway. Where's the harm? Well, uh, <laughs> the Office of Local Government might have something to say about whether there was harm or not. Ooh, do you <laughs> think they might say that the sitting councillor had an advantage over other candidates because they didn't have access to a such a I think there's a fair course. chance they'll say something like that. Yes. Absolutely. How predictable. Yeah. yeah. Very predictable. Uh, so, so the council confidentially, I understand, uh, debated this matter and uh, on the casting vote of the mayor decided to refer the matter to the Office of Local Government and censured the councillor. I was a bit um, of two minds about reporting this, Steve. The Parramatta Advertiser had this story this week. They've had access to the documentation that was part of an in-camera session of the council. It's now in the public domain, so uh, there you go. It's fair game, I guess. But that whole process of, of accessing confidential material and then publishing is Really bad form, Chris, and how often there are misconducts because someone thinks they're performing a public service. If a document's confidential, it should be confidential. But as you say, it's really vexed once it's out in the public domain. You can't put the cork back in the, or the genie back in the bottle, can you? No. And then it's about, well, how did they get access to that document in the first place? And will we hear more about that? Well, one would hope so. Mm. One, right. one would think we should take a dim view of that sort of thing, Chris. <laughs> I think we should take a dim view. Of I that think so. I mean, we like, well, well, we have a salacious interest in Scuttlebutt, but really there are limits. Steve, there's another mayor, interstate mayor in the news this week. This is out of uh, remote Northern Territory and the Shire of Barclay, I believe it's called, where Mayor Geoffrey McLaughlin was arrested this week on drug driving charges, but also uh, on charges of possessing, cultivating and supplying cannabis as a result, he's stood aside from the mayoral role so as not to detract from the work of the council, the statement said. Uh, and yes, there'll be a sequel to this story because he's uh, yet to have his day in court. Um, I don't know that I can add much to that. Chris, I'm not familiar with the Northern Territory Local Government Act, but presumably there are provisions in there in terms of what should happen if a councillor is certainly um, found guilty and convicted of such an issue. But in the meantime, although it does sound as though the mayor's done the right thing by stepping aside. Yeah, after allegedly doing the wrong thing in the first place. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit tired of all of these uh, elected reps bringing local government into disrepute. I know it's not the only level of government where it happens, but it just feels like lately there's so much of it, Steve. Yeah, I can't add to that, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It is, right. it is it tiresome and it's grist for the media mill, which we could do without. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, and here we are talking about it. Uh, in uh, Queensland, where uh, Redland Council has had its share of dramas recently with uh, the mayor there, well-known, uh, convicted on uh, drink driving charges recently, the local government minister and the deputy premier in that state has now taken away that council's responsibility for planning for housing. So their housing strategy apparently has not been kept up to date in the state government's view and they've had some time to do it. Uh, they haven't, so they've taken that role and responsibility away from them. Now, you mentioned in our extensive pre-planning session, Chris, that um, the Minister Stephen Miles had given the council fair warning or a number of warnings that this piece of work needed to be done. Yeah, look, well, I understand that the state government or the department has um, asked for this to be done for quite some time. The minister said uh, over a number of years they'd asked and uh, given the opportunity for that material to be updated. And in the view of the, the government and the advisors that I'm sure are providing uh, advice to to the minister, uh, they, they haven't done it to their satisfaction. Mind yeah, you, yeah. the mayor of Redland says it's not the case and uh, says it's and has expressed extreme disappointment at the action of the state in this uh, matter. Yeah, I don't know, Chris. Normally, if there's a deadline, you meet the deadline. If the state government says they'd like something done and you can't get it done, you know, wise heads sit down together and hatch out a plan with some milestones. So um, seems curious. Yeah, no, I understand from reading a little bit further about it that uh, the concern is that the, the city plan is based on uh, ex data from like 10 years or more ago. Uh, and they want to see that uh, be more current, I guess. Well, Talking and housing housing's a huge topic. The other thing is, I'm not is. sure state governments would be rushing to take council's responsibilities from them because no. there is also some odium associated with those strategies. You know, no one's ever completely happy. No, no, yeah. very true. And you're right, housing is a hot topic and it's going to be the topic of a summit that the government has announced in Victoria for uh, regional areas, a regional affordable housing summit coming up on the 4th of October, which uh, local councils will be involved in as well as... Um, uh, state government people, uh, housing sector, business, community, etc. as I understand it. I think it's happening in Creswick. There you go. Um, huge topic, Chris. Um, local economies rely on having workers who are housed locally. And as we know, post-COVID, the number of um, uh, regional communities with housing shortages is just incredible. So um, really important topic came up, of course, in the discussion we had with Minister Horn last week on VLGA Connect State Election Series, which you can watch back now on uh, YouTube or listen back on, uh, on the podcast channel. Mm. Uh, a couple of quick ones. Uh, a big congratulations to Greater Bendigo and Darabin. They were the two council winners out of the Premier's Sustainability Awards, which were announced this week. Steve, kudos to them. Um, now... Refresh my memory, Chris. I think yes. both of those um, projects or initiatives have been subjects of um, VLGA Connect um, interviews or certainly uh, a VLGA Connect on sustainability and an international global panel um, uh, in regard to env environmental diversity. Is you're that very, right? Yes, you're very, you're, you're spot on. You're very good. Nothing gets past you, does it, Steve? <laughs> I'll tell you, the cogs were turning, though. <laughs> yes, I, could see, I could see you were grappling to try and place that all. But yes, there is an episode of VLGA Connect on those sustainability initiatives and the Greater Bendigo Circular Economy uh, Project 
is uh, part of that and well worth uh, a listen and a watch. And uh, you'll remember Rachel Olivier, the acting CEO at Darabin, was on that global panel talking about the biodiversity uh, activities and integrating with urban environments. And that's pretty much what they've been recognised for with this Premier Sustainability Award as well. And over a long weekend, Chris, um, I commend both of those um, YouTubes for, for viewing the, um, the international panel with uh, someone from um, Inverness and uh, the London Borough of Sutton, I think, from memory, were absolutely terrific, along with Jill Sparks, the Commissioner for Sustainability for Victoria, and Rachel. So, yeah, both worth watching if people have got some time. And they're not at Bunnings. Mm, That's right. When you're not at Bunnings or doing your DIY uh, projects. Um, I think we might just end on one more out of uh, Queensland, where the Mayor of Toowoomba has uh, called for a bit of calm in the community. There's been all these suggestions, apparently, about uh, renaming parks and erecting statues in honour of Queen Elizabeth II, the late monarch. Um, he's, he's called for a process now of community consultation to, to determine what would be the most fitting memorial. And I'm just wondering how many communities are going to be having this conversation in the coming months. What a voice of good sense, Chris. It's sort of interesting, you know, a post-grief moment that we kind of, as part of the human condition, feel that we have to do something. If we're naming anything else, we go through an extensive process. And I, I, I've got to say, um, uh, without being falling on one side of the Republican monarchy debate or the other, it just seems to me that um, a bit of a pause and, uh, you know, a sensible approach um, is very wise. So well done to the mayor. And on that, uh, that pause for a sensible approach, I think we should stop. How sensible are you, Chris? Yeah, Good on you. I'm, I'm not accused of that too often, but I'll take it today. Thank you, Steve. Now, Chris, before we go, though, mm-hmm. are you going to be here next week? Um, no. Are you going to be here for the following four weeks? Mm, no. Um, well, I should, I should at least assure our listener that we do have a plan, but you might not be here. <laughs> do you have a plan? Is there a plan? There is a plan. <laughs> No, I am taking some time off, so uh, I'm going to leave the governance update in your capable hands for the next few weeks, Steve. Weight of responsibility. Please don't. Rest- Please don't. Weight of responsibility is resting heavily on my shoulders, Chris. Don't break it. Don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> one job. You just had one job. I'll try to keep it intact for when I'm back. <laughs> we'll do our best. We've got some. Um, we've got some fabulously capable guests lined up, Chris, who will carry me. So oh, I'm be- relieved. I'm relieved to hear that. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Thank you, Steve. I look forward to watching them all back when I return. So have fun. You too. Steve Cooper and uh, Hunt and Hunt Lawyers, thank you to you for sponsoring the show. Thank you to our viewers and listeners. It is in the plural, Steve. You keep saying listener, singular, but there are there's more than one. Um, and we'll be back with you soon with more from VLGA Connect. Thanks for watching and listening and bye for now. 